Blount, off play action, wide open in the middle of the field is Bradford inside the 20-yard line. He's heading for the end zone. Touchdown, Oregon State. Welcome everybody into another episode of the Damn Podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. Angie, Look, the Beavers. Wait, you got my name right. <laughs> Angie, the <laughs> Beavers took probably the biggest L. Just give us your thoughts on the game. You see, I think you and I are going to differ on this a little bit because last week, and I said kind of all along in fall camp, like every week on the podcast, that you know, my big thing that I wanted to see when I saw this team is I wanted to see a team that was cohesive and played as a unit and played all 60 minutes. And we saw that, in my opinion. I, it wasn't pretty. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised at 31 points that the offense put up, uh, especially after you know the long halftime they had to sit through. And you know, I have friends that actually were in Ohio at, or in Columbus for the game, and you know the things that some of the things that you don't even think about is a the heat and humidity. I guess it was like 80, 85, 90 degrees in the stands with like 85, 90 percent humidity. Stuff that kids from Oregon have not dealt with. Ever, yeah. um, and then you know, just practice and preparing for that game. Um, you know, it's something I didn't even think about. But you know, Oregon State on the scout team, they don't have anyone that can match the athleticism and size and speed that Ohio State has, especially on the offensive and defensive lines. So um, there was no way to prepare for that. So, um, like I said, ugly, yes, in a lot of ways. But um, I, I really kind of don't want to get ahead of myself in the fact that. I wanted to see them play 60 minutes, and they did. Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me is that they were just competitive the whole game, which, as we said, that's like <laughs> that's just the biggest thing because obviously being a former player, we never I felt like we never really played a full game other than the Civil War. But a big thing that I noticed, at least from uh, Jonathan Smith's standpoint and the fact that you can tell that they're growing as a team, was they won the third quarter. And I don't know if you remember last season, but the third quarter is when Oregon State would come out and just lay a fat goose egg. Oh, and it was, completely. like, horrible. But they outscored yeah. Ohio State in the third quarter. I think they dropped uh, 17 points. And the game was competitive, like I would say, through the first half. And partway through the second half, obviously. But we knew that, obviously, Ohio State was going to win. They're more talented. Uh, they have more depth. You know, they're just overall way better team. And, on a, you know, they can arguably be the best team in the country. But I still think the defensive line has a lot of work to do. That was That was one thing I was actually upset when I was watching was because – there wasn't one time I thought that the defensive line really at least showed that there was improvement. And I, I know I talked them up when I went to Bend and checked them out because they looked a lot better. And obviously, you know, when you're playing a team that good, you're not going to see as big of strides as you would if they would play Southern Utah. But, yeah, the defense in general just has a lot to work, a lot of work to do, and we knew that already. But the offense... You know, they surprised a lot of people. They even surprised me. And AP, I told you, Angie, he was going to rush for over 100 yards, and he did. He did. And he, he did. And the passing game looks a lot better, too. Trayvon Bradford had a really good game. Uh, I think he had, like, it was like 100 and just a little over 100, 100 yards just receiving. Right over yeah, and then yeah. Uh, two touchdowns. And that's against some of the best players in the country now. So that's impressive. That's a good sign for the offense. But, you know, defensively, they do have a lot of work at least as we know. I, I'm hoping that it was just the first game, kind of you get everything out, you get uh, all of the miscues, uh, especially on the defensive line, because I don't think they really had too many in the secondary, but you know they were just getting beat by just pure athleticism. Well, and that's and you can talk a little bit more to this too, but when, when, a, when a defense struggles as bad as they did on 
the defensive line and up front and, and causing that initial disruption, it causes it's like a domino effect then for the rest of the defense. Yeah. So there were times that I thought the DBs didn't play well um, or got you know got beat, but a lot of that has to stem from the fact that they weren't getting any of that push and disruption up front. Yeah, and that's just what we've seen for so long. It's just with the defensive line not producing, it's too hard for somebody like a linebacker or a defensive back to really just make a play because they're not only worried about doing their assignment, now they have to worry about the defensive line's assignment too, which is super big. But, Angie, I wanted to ask you, so we took, we did, you know, we kind of took some of the positives and the negatives. What do you think, at least on both sides of the ball, that they need to work on come when they play Southern Utah? Because Southern Utah is a team that you should beat by a lot. Because if they don't yeah. beat them by a lot, then it's going to be kind of the same thing as last season, and I'm not going to feel too comfortable with, obviously, how the team is. Yeah, so, you know, my first thought is, and this goes back to the Riley days, I mean, back when you played, Marcus, um, and Anderson, is will this team get up for this opponent? And we've seen too many times these home openers at Reeser against the Sac States, the Portland States of the world, where Oregon State seems to play down to the competition. Mm-hmm. They can't do that. They can't afford to do that. And I want to see a team that comes out sharp, focused, and ready to go. So that's my, my number one thing as far as a, a team, you know, the whole team mentality. Um, offensively, it'll be interesting to see. I, I am going to go with the fact I think Connor Blount's the starter. I, I think, you know, Jake Luton is still questionable day to day. I don't believe he practiced today. It's, it's been a little um, hush hush right now, but I don't believe he did practice, or if he did, it was very limited. He's going through the concussion protocol. Um, and I, I liked what I saw from Connor, to be honest. I mean, he came out there, and, and nothing against Jake. He, he got no time because he was out in the first series. But, um, gosh, talk about poise. When you have, you know, Bosa coming at you and number 86, I mean, crazy. So um, I want to see continued growth on that offense and, and just, you know, some more passing, some, um, you know, let AP and, and Jamar do their thing. Defensively, like you, I, we need to see some – defensive line improvements we need to see some sacks we need to see pressure and uh, I think that will make the entire defense look better yeah defensively you just want to see them obviously dominate because we I don't know if we've seen a game yet where Oregon State has just dominated for at least 60 minutes I think obviously when you play a team like this you have to and it'll make the fans feel better it'll make me feel better it'll make the coaches feel better and it'll show that there's at least some progress because yeah, we just can't afford another Portland State game where I'm on the sideline having a heart attack wondering if Oregon State's really about to lose to Portland State. So yeah. you want to see that defensively, and you want to see everyone you know, continue to grow and continue to get better, but they have a lot of str- – I mean, they have, they have a long ways to go, but I think they're going to be they're – better, they're better than a lot, pe- a lot of people think just because Ohio State's offense is dang good now. I mean, they're, yeah. they're probably yeah. as good as they're going to see all season. And offensively – you just want to see him put up like fifty points. I'm not even gonna lie. Like if I'm yeah, AP, no, you do. Yeah, if I'm AP, I'm I'm wanting to run for over three hundred yards and like three touchdowns because he easily could. He really could because the offense looked really good. And when it comes to Connor, you just want to get Connor comfortable. And you know, Angie, that's another question I'm gonna ask you later is about the quarterbacks. But he did look like the better quarterback between him and Jake and Jack actually. Uh, he did, and you know, he just looked comfortable, and he looked like he was supposed to be there. He can move on well the pocket, and like you said, when you have some of the best players in the country, you know, soon to be NFL players coming at you every single play, and you can put up at least you know two touchdowns, and I think he had like a sixty-three percent completion rating or whatever. That's pretty good, and so yeah. you're feeling good if you're looking at what Connor can do. You're feeling good if you're looking at what AP can do in the offense in general. But Angie, over to the quarterbacks. 
What do you think, you know, what would you do? Would you bring Jake back if he's healthy to play? Would you start him or would you keep Connor in there? You know, I, and I've said this, I guess, since the start of fall camp, I like the element that Connor can bring. I like the fact that he, he can be mobile. And I, I know, you know, coaches see Jake as the big, big arm. And I know he finished off fall camp looking like the stronger, stronger thrower. Um, but, you know, if he's not 100%, I mean, he had a concussion and, and the thoracic spine injury last season, now another concussion. I mean, at some point, if I'm Jake, you're not going to the NFL. At what point do you – and, you know, you had to face this as well. Yeah. You know, what, what point in your career do you just say, I love this game, but, gosh, I want to walk or I want to be able to remember my kid's name. Um, so there's that, you know. I mean, honestly, I think, you know, Jake's health is most important – in in the grand scheme of things, but I just like I like having a quarterback that, and he doesn't have to be Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. but it's nice to have a quarterback that is that that a defense has to you know at least respect could run should the pocket break down. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing because the pocket was breaking down obviously <laughs> every, almost every other play. <laughs> every play. Yeah, but you know Connor's not going to run and get himself killed, but for the most part, you see that he can be mobile. And I, I just think with Coach Lingrid and the way that he ran Colorado's offense, that Connor is a perfect fit because he plays just like Steven Montez does. You know, yeah, he doesn't have yeah. the biggest arm, but he's mobile. And, you know, in the short intermediate passes, he I think he's great at him. And like we've seen when he threw a slant to uh, Trayvon that was like a 63-yard touchdown, that was right on the money. And he read the defense perfectly there in his zone. He hit him on the slant in stride, and then obviously Trayvon just outran everybody for a touchdown. But that's what you want to see because not every play is going to be a home run, and we know that you know, following Oregon State because the passing game but, has been a struggle. But talk about that a little bit because we did see home runs yeah. this, this past week, and we hadn't seen those in – I don't even know the last time we saw Oregon State really hit on a couple big time home runs in the same in the same game. Yeah, and that's just timing and it's and it's you know, that's just what we talk about that this team is getting better because you can see that. Because last year there's yeah. no chance that would happen. Right. Nope. There was no chance at the time it was gonna be right. Uh I think it was like a three step drop that Connor did. He hit Trayvon obviously in stride perfectly when he when Ohio State was in that zone, and so he found the hole in the zone. He hit him on the slant, and then that's that just shows how much more athletic everyone's got because Trayvon outran everybody. Because last year, you know, there's a couple times where he got the ball and he was outrunning people, but he would juke back, juke to the right, right. He wasn't getting vertical, but here he understood that he just needed to plant a foot in the ground and get vertical as soon as he got the ball, and then off, after that it was just off to the foot races, and obviously he's going to win. And the, and the blocking that we saw as a team. I mean, there's yeah. a couple other. I mean, one of AP's big runs, you had Timmy Hernandez downfield blocking, or there was a, a play earlier in the, gosh, I don't know if it was the second or third quarter, um, a defensive play where Jalen Moore came in to make a, a hit, and he had a good angle. He lowered, he, he made a good tackle, and basically the guy just basically knocked Jalen Moore right on his butt. Yeah. Um, kept going, and Kehlani Vakamelalo, a defensive yeah. tackle, yeah, yeah, comes definitely. out of nowhere and makes a tackle from behind, and, you know, Last year, you wouldn't have saw the team fight like that. They would have, wouldn't even have tried, or wouldn't have made that extra block downfield. So, um, yes, it's a totally different team, a different feel. Um, gosh, but quarterback, uh, this just totally. Marcus and I didn't even talk about this before going on air. But so then, there you go again. So Jake is done after this year, but you have all these young guys, and we haven't talked about the new transfer from Nebraska, the former four star in um, Tristan Gebbia. Yeah, Angie, talk a little bit about him. I actually haven't even watched this film yet, so you would know more than I would. Is he from yeah, no, he's, Calabasas, right? And then he went Calabasas, to Calabasas. Yeah, he, he was to Nebraska. 
went to Nebraska, um, recruited by Coach Riley. Coach Smith actually recruited him when he was at Washington. Um, you know, big-time player back when he was in high school, transferred to or went, signed with Nebraska, went back. Um, I had heard at the signing day dinner uh, that he was transferring. So that was back in February. Um, and then it didn't happen. And I think, you know, Scott Frost kind of kept them on. He impressed them more than I think probably they expected him to. They had a quarterback battle that went basically until last weekend where Adrian Martinez was named starter, the true freshman. So uh, Gebbia, or Jebbia, I guess is how you pronounce it, has decided to, to transfer. So he's already here. He um, met with the team Sunday. But, um, you know, just brings that uh, an, a new level of talent, I think, that, you know, Oregon State needs in that quarterback room. Yeah, and it'll bring the competition up because you just need it. That's how you get better. But um, so, Andrew, was he – I mean, I don't I, like I said, I haven't watched any of his films, so I have no idea how good he is. Do you think he would fit this offense well? And Because definitely. it sounds like a lot of Oregon State fans are really excited about him. I don't really yeah, know anything no, about him, so I don't know. He'll definitely, he'll definitely fit the offense. Um, and, I, you know, I think, you know, just being a West Coast guy – being back on the West Coast, and it's just a good fit for him. Yeah, is he, you know, does he, can he run, or is it he more of a passing guy? Or, more I of mean, a passing guy, but okay. he, he can move if need be. You know, he's not going to be a complete statue, but yeah. um, he, he, uh, he's not a complete dual threat going to, you know, take off and run every every other play. Yeah. But, um, doesn't you know, have an a, arm. A, and, a thing that people don't really look at is now because – he can be on the team, right? But he can't play. He's not eligible to play this upcoming or this season. Exactly. Him and Avery Roberts. So yeah. that's the four-star linebacker that transferred in from Nebraska as well. So they are both with the team and are practicing but um, and going to school and, and part of the team. They just cannot play in games. And that's super big, at least for the defense, because after getting torched like they did against Ohio State, you get a good quarterback to at least run the scout team. And that's where a lot of guys work on their game. And so it's going to be interesting. Hopefully he can get even better, you know, like I said Again, I haven't seen him play, but if you go to Nebraska to play quarterback and you're a four-star guy, get recruited by Washington as well, I assume that you're pretty good. So yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's going to make it a lot better for the defense as well and make the team better in general because, you know, he's going to he can obviously make those kind of throws and those big-time throws and those big-time plays. So you have him going up against, you know, our defense right now who seems to be struggling. You know, you it's just going to make him that much better because the competition level is going to step up and the defense won't really know what to expect from him. Definitely, you know, and, and I'm just I'm taking a, a quick look back at his scouting report just to see if there's any other, you know, he's this was, you know, Greg Biggins, who is one of the best out there um, analysts, says that he is a smooth pocket passer with a quick release and a nice feel for the position. He shows poise in the pocket, the ability to make quick decisions, and is very accurate. He's a good athlete who can move around in the pocket and throw on a scramble. So, you know, I mean, you look at his offer sheet, he had Alabama, Kentucky, he had, um, you know, Double-digit offers, so um, a very, very solid pickup for the Beavers. Whoa, Alabama. Bama. Okay, that's a good sign. I like this. Yes. That sounds good. Yeah. Angie, you know, Kentucky, Louisville, uh, Miami had offered him, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Utah, Washington, Washington State. Those are some pretty good quarterback places. Yeah, so. definitely. So he will be a good player from the sounds of it. I hope he will be at least. Yeah, I mean, you never know, right? I yeah. mean, there's a lot of – but um, – you know, I, I think back to a former four-star uh, transfer that transferred in from UCLA, and uh, by the name of Matt Moore, he turned out pretty dang good for Oregon State. <laughs> Angie, I just want to get, before we get on to the damn questions, um, I just want to know, at least offensively and defensively, give me, offensively, give me, you know, a player of the game, 
And then defensively, give me a player of the game if you can. And then give me a guy who needs to improve as well or at least needs to step it up for the next game on both sides of the ball. Offensive, it's not even like a contest. I mean, well, I guess it could be because Trevon had a really good game. I think Connor had a really good game. But um, definitely going with AP. I, I just think the, his two runs right there in the third quarter, I mean, how many times have we seen Oregon State come out flat after half? And yeah. to see to see him come out and and run like he did, but definitely my MVP, like I said, with, with a little hat tip to Trevon and Connor. Um, defensive MVP? God, I'm going with Sean Wilson, yeah. that big pick. Um, you know, that was a huge – and that's one reason I think that, um, in my opinion – that Ohio State scored as many points as they did because they left their starters in late into the third quarter because they have a decent lead, and then what happens? You have Oregon State run, AP runs the 80-yard one, touchdown. So we score, Oregon State scores, they go back and score, AP comes back with a 78-yard TD. So it's yeah. like we're an- Oregon State's answering every call. They march it down the field, and Wilson picks it off at the two yeah, and yeah. then runs it back. So, you know, Oregon State was like, trying to hang in there, claw in there. So they left their starters in when they, they could have taken out. So Sean Wilson, I guess, would be my MVP from that big play. But uh, on Beaver Blitz, we did have our, our kind of our MVPs. And, you know, I had Caleb Hayes in there as well and Kehlani Vakamelalo after that, like I, I mentioned earlier, that uh, run from behind tackle. Yeah, a lot of effort plays, at least from the defensive line. Even though they didn't dominate, you could see you see stuff like that where – Kalani's running, you know, 15 yards down the field to make a tackle. That that's a big difference from last year. And so last year we would have saw him standing there with his hands on his hips. Yeah, exactly. Or not necessarily him, but a defensive lineman sitting there with, you know. Yeah, and, and the thing that people don't really understand is, yeah, Ohio State scored 77. Don't get me wrong, that's that's horrible. But you know, they only, like you said, they kept their starters in because Oregon State was clawing back. At one point, what was it? I think it was was it 56 to 31, or was yes. it? Yes, and if yeah. it could have stayed. 56-31, I mean, I think, and the, and the defense just couldn't stop. But by that point, the Lions had worn down both sides of the ball so bad. Yeah. I just, you know. And that's where depth comes in. That's just that's exactly. just over time where Jonathan Smith recruits, you know, guys who can sub in and out. But, you know, 56-31 obviously isn't too bad if, if you're Oregon State. You're, you know, you're holding your head up high and then, you know, they drop 77, so it makes it look a lot worse. But they only did that because, you know, when it comes to the rankings, you don't want to, you know, you, game one, you don't want what happened to Penn State, where it's yeah. it's a close game against somebody that you should throttle, right? And so yeah. they had to do something like that, which, you know, it makes sense. A lot of people said that, you know, they're whatever for going for it on fourth and one. But, you know, you have to run up the score, obviously, if, if you're trying to make the playoffs because every yeah. game matters. Every game matters. Yeah, and offensively, I'd say, you know, AP is my MVP. He had a great game. He had good reads. I knew he was going to be good. You know, I had no doubt in my mind. He, Even though he was behind and all, you could just tell that he was ready yeah. to at least take control at the starting running back spot. He has great vision. He has great speed. And well, you know what was, I saw from him? And, and being a running back, you can probably kind of talk to this, but I think – and. I, you know, I used to play sports too. I, he just had that confidence. Yeah. He wasn't looking over. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I have to do amazing to try to get more plays. It's like, this is my position. And he ran with that kind of confidence. Yeah. And I, I'm telling you, Angie, he might be the second best running back in the conference. Did, did you know he was that fast? Oh yeah. I knew that. I was, okay. I tried to tell people that because he walks around like he's, <laughs> he's a real smooth guy. So everything is kind of <laughs> like. He's kind of low key. He's kind he of quiet. He's very low key. Yeah, he, he loves the kids. Yeah, he he walks slow, walks with a little swag to him. But you know, when he puts the pads on, I was trying to tell people, no one really believed me. He's probably the fastest guy on the team because I saw that the, he clocked in on that run 
with that yeah. little gear that yeah. Oregon State used. Like, he clocked in, I think, 24 miles per hour. 24 miles an hour, okay. That's unreal. Like, they say anything over 20 and you're moving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's insane. But, yeah, I knew he was going to be good. I would say defense – I couldn't find a defensive MVP. I'm not going to – I feel like with a performance like that, they did fight hard, and it's it's nice to see him be a lot better on defense. Or but, least, Like you said, depth. depth yeah, is depth. So, I mean, did you see all the true freshmen that played? Yeah, there was a lot. There were a lot. Yeah, so you, I, I was wrong on that, but <laughs> you would just hope that – at least I just want to see next game. I just want to see him be dominant. I just want yes. to see him just yes. trash Southern Utah because that's what Oregon State fans need and that's what the team needs because it always feels good to, just to trash somebody, like yep. beat them by like 50. And they haven't done that. Yeah, they, they haven't, haven't done that I don't. Years. I don't even remember the last time we did that, to be honest. No, I don't either. I think Arizona with Marcus was it. Yeah. Because we beat Arizona right. bad. That was about it. Yeah. I don't think you're anybody right. else. But um, yeah, Angie, do we want to go to some damn questions? We w- let's do some damn questions. Damn questions is brought to you by Body of Health Chiropractic and Wellness Center. Dr. Jason Young has been the chiropractor for Oregon State Athletics since 2011. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm on Twitter right now, but I have a ton on Beaver Blitz as well in the lodge. Um, okay, Jesse Barnes wants to know if Blount. He he asked a bunch here. Um, but we're going to just pick this one. If Blount does really well this week, does Coach keep him in as the starter for good? Yeah, I think you should, at least because like we've said, Angie, if the competition between Jake and Connor is going on, and you might as well choose the younger guy because then you could build around him instead of having, you know, you have the senior play, and then obviously he leaves next season, and then you have to basically start all over and try to figure out who your starter is going to be again, which will happen because with that new Nebraska guy, I think – that the competition is going to be that much better, but you should at least start the younger guy, at least in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. You, would you say the same thing? I would. I would say the same thing. And then you know, he Jesse goes on to say, "I hate a two B, two QB system. Are we going to see two QBs play um, each half again this week, or do you think the coach is going to stick with one?" You'll definitely see uh, two QBs play because you're playing Southern Utah, so the coaches are hoping that you trash them, and you know, all, a lot of guys can get experience, but. You'll see it just because I think they're still trying to make sure that Connor is the guy that they want or if, you know, Coletto's the guy they want. But they just have to find someone, honestly, who's just going to – who makes offense roll. And I, I would say Connor did it well last uh, game. But, you know, you, you can never count out Coletto because you got to give him the same opportunity and the same amount of plays, same type of plays to see who who's really a playmaker. But in my opinion, it's Connor. Yeah, so Jesse, if they're not playing two QBs, it means Oregon State is not throttling Southern Utah, and that's bad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would be bad. And you want, to, you want to see them throttle them because, yeah, like Angie, you said, Oregon State hasn't done that in a while, and they not need that. I don't that. remember when. Um, okay, so B of Recruiting wants to know what the status is with Riley Sharp. He is the linebacker um, who signed a couple years ago, went on his LDS mission. He is set to return. He has made a visit. And um, he'll he'll be gray shirting, so he'll be here in the winter time. Angie, this is more of a question for you. What happened to Ronnie? I don't even know how to say his last name. Adet. Ronnie Adet. Yes, Ronnie Adet was the offensive and defensive lineman um, who signed with Oregon State this fall. And then him and KK Francois, another um, commit signee from the twenty. 18 class. Um, they were here on campus for a couple weeks with the bridge program and both made a decision that this was not what they wanted. So um, they've left the program. Um, 
I, you know, I, I don't know exactly specifics. We've reached out to them, um, whether it was, you know, just too difficult. I mean, it's a big jump when you jump from high school football mm-hmm. to the demands of a college um, athlete. So, um, yes, both have moved on from the program. So, no, I did, it doesn't sound like anything. It was no violation of rules. This was just their own decision of, hey, this isn't fun. Don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, some guy, I mean, and realistically, you can't play college football unless you really love it. You have to love football because it takes up literally all your time. Like from 4.30 in the morning till 9.30 at night, that's all mm-hmm. you do is football and school. So if you don't love it and you come to college and you realize that, you're not going to like it and obviously you're not going to play. But, uh, Angie, I have a good question for you. Um, you kind of answered this already. This is from Sean T. Lehigh? Lee? I don't even want to butcher his last name. Anyways, any updates on Luton's health? Regardless, did Blunt establish himself as a starter? And then he asks, after giving up 77 points in game one, how qu- uh, how quickly can we expect significant improvements on that side of the ball? Well, okay, the, good question. So um, Luton's health, I think we kind of answered yeah. um, no status update yet. Um, I don't believe he practiced, or if he did, he was not full contact. He's still going through concussion protocol as of today, which is Tuesday. Um, Blount was taking first team. He will be the um, number one guy they go to if Luton's not able to go. Um, you know, Oregon State's being very, and, and like most programs these days, they're pretty quiet about injuries right now. Um, we expect an update by Thursday from Coach Smith. He's the one that talks all injuries. But um, as of right now, I expect we see Blount as the starter on Saturday. Um, the 77 points in game one, how quickly can we see significant improvements? On defense um, this Saturday, we darn well better because um, Ohio State is an amazing. I mean, they were an amazing offensive team. So um, we we won't see another team that good all season. So um, to go, they better they darn well better improve this this week. <laughs> yeah, we better and, see big. Yeah, big we'll see. I think they'll be a lot better. I mean, you go up against Ohio State, and I don't think a lot of people really understand that. I know Sprague was was tweeting out a bunch of stuff during the game, and he was obviously super upset about 77 points. But when you look at it, I mean, think about it. Last year, I think that I think it was Michigan State. Michigan State's a good team. They get great recruits. Some, most of the time, they're top 25, and they got trashed by Ohio State, by like 56 to nothing. Like, it happens. Yeah. It really does. And when you have a young team like Oregon State going into, Col- uh, yeah, going into Columbus, I mean, did we really expect anything different other than Oregon State getting trashed? Right. It's kind of like it's just a growing. It's part of the growing process. And another example is we keep bringing it up. Coach Anderson, when he was with Wisconsin, he had Melvin Gordon. He had he had a bunch of great players on his team. He played Ohio State, got blown out. And they got blown out. 50 nothing. It it happens. It's Ohio State. That's why they're a top three team in the country every single season. So maybe not dropping 77 points, but still getting blown out. 56 nothing is is almost just as bad, realistically. And so. You know, it the the defense will be a lot better because you're not going up against the best players in the country. And so we'll see. I, I really think the Oregon State's defense will be a lot better, especially against Southern Utah. They I like this coaching staff because the biggest thing that I seen, at least at the game, was they kept everybody up and they kept everybody in the game. And it wasn't like we've seen in the past where the offense was on one side divided, the defense wasn't on one side divided and pissed off at each other. It was Yeah, they were all pointing they were all pointing fingers at each yeah, other. Now it was everyone was together, even if it was some offensive guys giving defensive guys advice or vice versa. That's huge because then, you know, you just see it from a different perspective. And the coaches weren't yelling at each other saying that, you know, this coach is messing up or this guy's messing up. You know, everyone played it as a team and they're really a family. That's why we say that the culture's a lot different. 
because stuff like that makes a huge difference. And so that's yeah. they're you know, they're going to be a lot better. Um, and so I think I want to say that I don't even think they gave up, you know, 21 points to Southern Utah. And Southern okay. Utah usually has a good offense. Yeah, they have a, a pretty good offense. Okay, I'm going to jump to the lodge now. Um, there's some questions there. Um, let's see. Matt Chifoni, he will always have some good questions for us. So I, I, he did bring out the point that um, we had an Ohio State fan that posted on Blitz after the game. And not a troll. He just came by to – he was like, wow, I didn't expect you guys to, to have that much fight in you, um, you know, and impressed with your team in, in a lot of ways. Defense needs work. But he says, I could see six wins from you guys. Are we being overly critical, or is he out of his mind? What do you think? Six uh, wins. I wouldn't say six wins. I, I say that almost every single game, it comes down to the wire. But, I mean, the team is talented. We've seen that. You know, you go up against Ohio State, and they had a, they had a great amount of fight. You know, they obviously can't get comfortable with their performance, especially on the offense. Defense won't be comfortable. But offensively, they can't be like, okay, well, you know, like, for example, AP can't say, well, I basically put up 200 yards on – probably one of the best defenses in the country. You know, I'm going to, you know, all these NFL teams. I can teams sleepwalk yeah, and I can put sleepwalk, up, yeah. yeah. But I don't, I mean, I wouldn't say six wins. I could see three or four realistically. I think they can beat Cal. They can beat Wazoo. Um, Arizona. Arizona, definitely. But, you know, like we were saying, this team is good. It's not It's not like talent that they're, they're just lacking. Not deep. Yeah, they're just yeah. not deep and they're not experienced. And a lot of these teams in the Pac-12 are just experienced. But you could tell the Oregon State's making big strides. So I wouldn't On say the coaching front. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, say yeah. six wins, but I say four or three, and that's just you know if they play, but if they play great, you know obviously they could probably win six games. Yeah, I know I'm super general and like yeah maybe and maybe and maybe, but I've well, there's seen, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of the what ifs. You yeah, know, if the I've ball seen, bounces right if you get a call going your way. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Oregon State, at, you know, towards the top, and then I've seen Oregon State at the very very bottom. So <laughs> I'm just yeah. gonna let the season play out before anything, but. Um, this is a great question by Jason Young. Which starter solidified Doctor Jason Young? Yes, ma'am. Which starter right. solidified their uh, starter status the most on Saturday? And which second string guy made the best case for stepping into a starting role? Oh my goodness! Good question. Wow, I didn't even have time to think about that one. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm going to say second string is obviously Connor uh, yeah. Blount. He, I thought he should have been the starter, maybe, but. You know, I just know that Jake has a great arm, so it was kind of just depending on what this coaching staff wanted the offense to look like. From the looks of it, Connor's the better fit right now. He's more mobile. Um, you know, it just looked like he had a lot more confidence when he was playing rather than Jake. Understanding, you know, I understand that Jake, when you come back from injury, it's hard to be comfortable and confident like you were. But, you know, after basically breaking your back, it's hard to sit in the pocket and be comfortable knowing that someone can just crush you. So Yeah, especially those guys. Yeah, exactly. So I'd say Connor. Um and which starter solidified their starter status the most? I mean, really, AP? AP, yeah, yeah I'd go with AP there. AP killed because it. Because Jermar, I mean, we, we had a lot of hype with Jermar coming into this game um, and just how, you know, he looked really good. At the I think he did. He still looked good. He, he still looked good, yeah, yeah. completely. Um, yeah, I would go with, with him. I I actually was really, really impressed with Trevon. And nothing against him, but he was kind of quiet last season. We didn't mm-hmm. see a lot, but um, really impressed with what we saw from him. Yeah, this, I would say with Trevon, at least now we get to see that how he should be used. I don't think the last coaching staff used him very well instead of obviously yeah. sending him on go routes every single play, which as a defensive back, all you do is obviously give yourself a bigger cushion 
because Trayvon's fast, but you give yourself a bigger cushion, no one's going to bomb it downfield. And Oregon State couldn't throw the ball downfield regardless. So, um, you who know, needs to step up, in your opinion? Who needs to step up? Yeah. Uh, probably Isaiah Hodgins. I know he's good. Okay. He has he has great talent. He has the frame. He has really everything. Maybe it's just, you know, Ohio State maybe put their best defensive guy on, regardless whatever the case is. He just needs to step up because he's a playmaker for sure, and if they can get him the ball, you know, eight or nine times a game, he he'd easily have over a hundred yards and probably a touchdown or two every game because yeah. he's he's he has the frame oh, he's, and he has everything. Yeah. yeah, he's a great receiver. They just have to find a way to get him involved more because that happens. You know, it's it's been happening a lot lately with Oregon State. Is you have great talent, you just don't give him the ball. Isaiah Hodgins is a guy that I think if you give him obviously like a hitch route, so he's just going up three or four yards, maybe five, coming back, getting the ball, and then let him make a play, he could do it because, you know, those corners are small compared to him. So he could stiff arm him. He could break tackles and and get first downs. He can make great catches. They just have to get him involved. So I think he needs to step up. And and my step up is is Dwayne Williams at cornerback. Now he's got a little luxury in the fact that there's a lot of injuries and and he's a good player, but – I mean, like his punt um, catch interference was for a senior. Yeah, that was that was tough to see. You can't be making mistakes like that. Yeah, he he's a smart player. I don't know what that was. It might have just been first game jitters, and I never yeah, want to use yeah. injuries as an excuse. He did tear his ACL or whatever that was. So getting back, you have to get back into the groove. Game one, you're always gonna have mistakes, regardless if it's mental mistakes or like running into you know on. Punt return, running into the guy if he fair caught it, whatever it is, really. But just having, you know, you just have to. I, game two is going to be a lot better. They will, and you could tell. And my, that, my other, my other guy that needs to step up, and I'm not meeting these as bad, but yeah, um, shoe care. Oh yeah, definitely. The kicking game is the kicking game is yeah. that that you know some of those things should be money. You know those those field goals. And I understand some aren't, but um, you know by the time you're, I mean, this is his second year. Mm-hmm. As a, should, as a starter. Yeah, yeah and, you know, <laughs> not to get off track, but it's the same thing with, with UW. They need to get a new kicker because yeah. – yeah. yeah, completely. Because you see how much – I understand. It. I mean, kicking is so mental. It, it, yeah. It's like um, putting in golf, right? Yeah. You, you can kind of get to a point where you kind of just get in your he- your own head. But, um, but well, anyway. And, and it's hard for an offense, especially if, you know, you guys work so hard and to get the ball in a position to score, right? You might have not came up with a touchdown, but you're like, okay, now we at least get three points on a field goal. Right, and then you miss a field goal, and then everyone's pissed off, and yep. that's the stuff that Oregon State has to do is be able to respond. And I think they did and get any of those points they can get. Yeah, get any point you can get, and you know, being able to respond and mature and be like, okay. Well, we didn't get it this drive, but next drive we're at least getting three, right? Or at yeah. least, or we're going to score a touchdown. Regardless, they just have to continue to grow. And you know, week two they'll be a lot better. They really will. Yes, they you will. know, the first game was the scoreboard didn't show it. But I was tweeting all game that, you know, this Oregon State team was a lot better than at least what I expected, especially yeah. offensively. Yeah. Okay, so what in the blue hell OSU says um, he would like to know your analysis of what our offensive identity is going forward? I would just say the best way to, to look at it is I think it's called – I know it's – I can't even remember the proper term, but it's basically like a, a, a run and shoot. So a lot of inside zone, a lot of outside zone – and then when you do pass the ball, it's going to be short, intermediate passes like we've seen slants, finding holes in defenses, or if it's man, obviously doing a lot of screens like we've seen. But it's basically just getting your athletes the ball in open field in any way you can. And even if it's not bombing the ball every play, it's just doing those short, intermediate passes that will get you you know, chunk yards maybe 
six or seven at a time, and then it'll set yourself up, set your offense up, say it comes third down instead of being, you know, third and nine or third and eight like we always see or that we've seen last season. It's more like, you know, third and two, uh, you know, third and one, and it gives you it gives you opportunity to really just keep the ball moving and, and keep the offense on the field and wear down the defense. And I want to go back to another one now. Um, Matt Chifoni had too, and this is this will be a good one for you, Marcus, because it's on the offensive line. I saw better play against an elite front than I saw under Coach Woods. Is it fair to say that Woods was that? Is it fair to say that Woods was that unqualified for his position, Coach, or is Coach Mahalachek that good? Uh, I would say Coach Mahalachek is that good because okay. I just went and watched some practice and or you know over fall camp and. I thought I knew a lot of X's and O stuff, but he was saying some stuff that I didn't even understand. And I got to sit down with him just for a quick <laughs> second and just, I just want him to explain like inside zone. I just like seeing how everyone explains it. Cause I feel like everyone yeah, explains yeah. it different. And the way he broke it down for me was, I was like, well, I just went home and threw away all my notes that I wrote for my, you know, inside zone because I was like, Oh, that makes way more sense. And that really, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a super smart guy. I would say coach woods and it's just that good. Yeah, yeah, Coach Woods. I thought Coach Woods was horrible. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a fan yeah. of Coach Woods at all. Uh, just because I think his the way he coached was not <laughs> what Oregon State needed. Like yelling at your guys all practice long is just not gonna work because yeah. no one's gonna want to play for you. But yeah, Coach Mahalachek is that dude is like a genius when it comes to X's and O's. Nice. Okay, it's, um, here's one for Marcus. Um, this is. Sully Brent said, from a player standpoint, would you rather go to an Ohio State and know that you're going to lose and get, or get blown out or stay home and start your season off with an easy win team? Uh, start your season off with an easy win team. It just okay. builds confidence. It really does because if you go and trash somebody like 60 to nothing, which Oregon State, like I said, hasn't done in a while, but say they do manage to beat a team that bad, then it, you know – you guys have swag. You guys have like you guys have confidence. The offense obviously was clicking. Defense was feeling themselves, and they did everything right. It's just better to, you know, go into net, go into each week knowing that you have a win. Obviously, you know, week one you want to win. Week two you want two wins. Whatever the case is, but just knowing that you have the wins, you know, every week, and knowing that you should blow out a team like Portland State. And if you do, you just feel a lot better. I mean, you don't feel great. You know, you're like, okay, it's Portland State, but if you beat them, like, you know. 61 to nothing, then you're feeling pretty confident about your team. So I would yeah. say that because you don't want to go to, I mean, it's cool to go to Ohio State. And it's cool to travel to all these, you know, big time college football spots and, you know, play against some of the best. But if you're getting blown out, then it's like, what's the point? Because, you know, they're using you as tackling dummy. Yeah, as like tackling dummies and using you as kind of like on their resume when you, when you look, you're like, okay, yeah, we beat or- Oregon State, dropped 31 points, but look, we dropped 77 on them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so when it comes down to like the playoffs or something, a team like Ohio State will look at uh, and the, the committee will look at stuff like that. Yeah. So I yeah. would just hate to be looked at as like an easy win team, easy win power five team. Yeah. That can help them. You know, it's not that they, yeah, they get a big win against a power five team instead of, you know. Yeah. A, instead of blowing out a, a, you know, a FCS school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Defensive tackle has always been a struggle for Oregon State in recruiting, um, but that has, has seemed to have been amplified. Would you support OSU going for as many as three to four JUCO tackles in addition to Bennett? That's probably more of a, a question for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't think they're going to go that heavy. When you when you look at the commit list right now, I mean, they're running a, a, a three four. So you have Evan Bennett, and he's 
a, a really good D tackle. I mean, that's a big, big pickup for Oregon State. So you have him already there. You have Corey Stover, who's a defensive end, and he's listed at six six, but I've heard he might be as big as six seven, six eight by now. Um, big time, you know. And then you have Kelson Hennessy, the local Clackamas defensive tackle. Um, and then Omar Spates will be another defensive end uh, for the Beavers. So there's four D linemen in this class right now. Then you get Jeremy Reichner back um, from injury. I, I just don't see them having to go that much heavier um, defensive line recruiting. That, that's my opinion. I, I think they have some guys. If Elu can get things together and come into a senior year in shape and ready to go, huge bonus. Yeah, that seems like the case that Elu comes in and he's not in shape. I don't really know if that's if that was this season, but I know for a fact when I played, that's how it was. Well, it was that way last season. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I, when I, when I spoke to some coaches, that was, you know, they, he's ready, but he doesn't have, he's not um, in shape enough to go as many reps as they need him to go. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that just comes with growth. Obviously when you're, what is he three years into the program now, those are the guys that if he's not going to make the commitment to, to obviously get his body and get in shape like he should, then you honestly just have to move on because those are the kind of guys that the I wouldn't say Elu's weighing him down because Elu's a great player and when he gets in and he plays hard, Angie, you you know, oh, yeah. I know you I can mean, agree he kills it. Yeah. Like nobody yeah, can block it. him. He's probably the best defensive lineman, you know, on the field. But there's times where you see that he doesn't live up to his potential and he doesn't maybe take it as serious as he should. Kind of like yeah. Christian Wallace. You know, he's he's super talented, but he doesn't take it extremely serious. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and and it gets to a point where you you have to do it. You yeah, know, you either have to to you know get serious and get in, you know the best shape of your life and be totally a hundred percent dedicated, or you, you know you make a different decision. Yeah, and that's why some guys go to the NFL, obviously, and some guys don't. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and it's the ones who are going to do a little extra and who are going to, you know, I know injury plays a uh, part in that. I'm going to use that excuse, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, if you know if this defensive line wants to be as good and Oregon State wants to be as good as they can be on defense, then guys like Elu are going to have to step up and they're going to have to make a commitment to it. Because if not, then they're just weighing him down realistically and, you know, he's just not playing up to it. At least his potential and how he should be playing. But, I mean, it's going to be a young group. Like I said, then you have, you you know, you add to the mix, you have um, Isaac Codgins as well, who got, who played on Saturday. So, um, no, I I don't think they go, um, I don't think they need to go three to four Juco D-tackles. Maybe one to help shore things up, but no, they don't need to go for three or four more. Yeah, Angie, well, is there anything else you want to add? No, I, I think it was, it, you know, I'm excited for another week of football, though. Wait, let's, uh, before we go, let's get a, give me your score prediction for the game. Oh my gosh, I haven't even thought about it. Um, let's see, I am going to go 56-17. Okay, Oregon State, right? I'm hoping. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Oregon Angie, you made me 56. nervous for a second. I'm gonna, I better write that down because we do our Beaver Blitz staff predictions, so I better make it match. Yeah, I'll get you my staff prediction this time, I promise. Okay. There's a, <laughs> there's a prize this year for the staff that gets the, you know. Whoa, what's the prize? I, I haven't decided yet, but it'll be nice. Real will I, good. Will I wear size 11 and a half if it's shoes? Uh, okay. My prediction, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 57 to 14. I think Oregon State just kills him. At least I'm okay. hoping. 57-14, and, and I went 56-17. And I say AP runs over 200 yards. Okay, 200 yards. Easily. There you go. I'm writing it down this time. Yeah? I'll bring it up next week. <laughs> Perfect. Angie, is there anything else you want to add? Nope. Um, just come check out Beaver Blitz. Marcus is giving us all his great insight. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Angie. 
Put your put me on. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Damn Podcast with Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. We will be back next week. We'll talk, obviously, the game this Saturday. Uh, 